everyone welcome to the design hack podcast and today we have a very 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 special guest sam harper uh so before me introducing him i think uh, he will introduce himself better than me so over to you sam hi everyone thank you uh thank you abe for having me on so uh yes my name is sam harper so i am a ux designer uh over in lehigh utah i work for a company called intrata software um i do ux and career coaching on the side and um i i do a regular live stream podcast so uh those of you guys who follow me on linkedin very familiar with me uh for those of you who aren't um you can you can follow me there and then i'm also expanding out into youtube as well that's great that's great sam uh so like just for the start i wanted to everyone to get a grasp of like who you are and why you do what you do so just introducing yourself i would say like everyone to you like the, he has done a bachelor's in fishery and a lot of you might mm-hmm. be interested in uh knowing like how did he came from fishery to design so uh sam over to you like what's the story behind it and like how did you grow from scratch like from bachelor's which you were doing in fishery to like ux design right sorry one sec <sighs> okay sorry about that um yeah so when you know uh i just want to give a little bit of context as to when uh you know when i was getting into ux design i saw a lot of people coming in from uh graphic design i saw a lot of people coming in from psychology i saw a lot of people coming in from like all these fields that seemed very related to UX and here I was with my bachelor of science that seemed like it was you know on pluto as far as distance from <laughs> what what a UX designer should have and I definitely felt very inadequate about that um the I will say the the long story short of how I managed to make it work is I I kind of like I managed to capitalize on the research skills that I gained in my in my degree as a you know studying the sciences so a lot of the stuff that ux researchers already need to know is you know statistical models are uh they need to have understand sampling bias they need to know how to set up a study that actually turned out to be very valuable for me that's how i got my first job in ux at an agency now to backtrack a little bit uh growing up I actually grew up in a landlocked state so I didn't really have access to the ocean at all but I was always very much like loved like marine life and like I always loved reading those like whale books uh and eventually I became a scuba diver so uh that's something that really fascinated me and I think it really just kind of came from this um not so much saying like this is what I want to do but it was more of um our society saying oh you have to go to college you have to know how to you know you have to you have to go to college study something and then like go out in the real world and I was like well crap I don't know what I want to study I guess I'll go do this thing um and you know I I will say that what I'm grateful for for going through that experience is that it allowed me to uh it allowed me to go through this uh this uh, to explore this interest of mine right to explore it and then take it into UX because I've actually um uh, so far I've already done two uh two projects that are actually very closely related to what I studied one of them was uh related to the XPRIZE Foundation so we created two uh two apps that essentially take all this like this massive massive like over a terabyte per day worth of data that's collected by the uh 
uh, by the U.S. Geological Survey and translate that into an app that's beneficial for people, uh, just everyday people. And then the other one was a hackathon that I drove down to San Diego for where we helped uh, we helped create this. It was like this uh, this discrete communication platform for poachers or for not for poachers, but for the people enforcing these poaching laws over in Africa to be able to more effectively catch poachers. And I still plan on doing this. I want to get into the get more into the eco tech space. So I think it's been it's been kind of an interesting blessing in disguise. It's allowed mm. me to find a niche. I think I think that's that's where like you have kind of mixed the passion of design and the love of fishery towards what you are doing in the projects right now. I think that's really interesting yes. to know. And everyone should get that. It's like they can kind of mix up what they love and what are, what they want to do in the professional life to somehow I would say love what they are doing in a way. I think that's interesting. Absolutely. Yep. Now, yeah, going forward, I was just really wanted to ask you about your startup that you that is about conscious career shift. Like, any do you want to introduce that to the audience? Yeah, so that's a part-time career coaching program that I am doing right now. Uh, still working on getting the landing pages up and everything, but uh, I have worked with a few clients. They've really, so far, they've really enjoyed, uh, really gotten a lot out of like working with me. Um, and it really, kind of, you know, what I do is like, I'm, I help people get into uh, like, you know, get into UX smoother. Uh, I realized that a lot of people are making a career change. I myself made a massive career change and uh, I want to show other people how to do it. It's, you know, making a career change into UX is not scary. It's hard. It's not hard, but it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of, you know, a lot of, I would say a lot of mental strength, but it's definitely doable. I agree. I agree. Because like from me as well, like I got from tech to UX, which is not that distinct. But for me, it was like a very big step to take uh, convincing parents and then all of those things and convincing myself that would I be able to do it? I think these all things are very important. And like you are doing a very interesting and great job, like helping people out and like how they can change the career. Like that's great. Uh, yep. Yeah, so going forward, I would just really wanted to like de get deep dive into the UX process of yours. Like basically, uh, like a lot of audience are from are the ones who really want to get into design field and they are just exploring their options. So how would you explain to that kind of audience like what is UX design and how they can like kind of give some examples which kind of resonates with their general life? Like what is UX? Right. So I've actually got a lot of ways that I like to explain user experience. Uh, whenever I'm explaining it to the 60 and older crowd, usually what I say is I make the internet easier to use. And then that seems to work for them. Um, <laughs> you know, when I'm when I'm explaining it to, um, let's say, like anybody else who, you know, they may be our age, they may be younger, maybe a little bit older, but they don't really know what UX is. So what I like to say is uh, look at how uh, how our apps or how are like, I mean, they didn't really have apps back in the early 2000s, but like look at how websites evolved over the years look at what ebay was like look at what amazon was like if you wanted to purchase something you had to go through a bunch of different steps you had to put enter your manually enter your credit card information every time and it would probably take what maybe like five ten minutes to like make a purchase because they had to verify all this stuff and then save it and everything and now we go to on amazon and you've just got your phone you swipe 
you swipe and you've already you've made a purchase. There's a reason for that. It's because there are people behind the scenes who are studying how uh, how human behavior works on these digital platforms and how they can simplify it to increase customer satisfaction, decrease uh, you know decrease bounce rates, increase uh, revenue for the company, everything. So it really just turns out to be a win-win-win for everybody. Yep, I think uh, it's it's very great to know about these things and how UX design really has evolved. Like I think, uh, like just few years back, like UI UX designers were not even like hired at a great pace, and nowadays, like it's very important because I think I'm I'm not sure. Like I think might be because of we are getting a, like very rapidly into digital world like because of covid mm -hmm. because everything was getting digital like something like that so yeah uh like getting something into the covid section as well like the covid hit like what kind of changes did you experience in your career like how did covid hit the ux design industry like can you explain that oh man you know um i'm not really sure how i can speak to how it's affected ux as a whole for me and this is going to sound really weird and crazy but covid uh, COVID was actually one of the best things that could have happened to me. And I'll explain why. Because on in July of last year, I got laid off from my job. And I was working at an agency in downtown Salt Lake. And at first, you know, for the first, uh, you know, when anytime you lose your job, it's, you know, you go through this process of mourning. It's hard. You're, you know, you're constantly thinking, like, how the hell am I going to pay my bills now? But Three weeks later, I got picked up at the company that I'm at right now doing in-house work on an in-house SaaS platform. I got a major pay bump. The team that I'm working with now is significantly more robust than it was at the agency. Uh, and we're we're doing uh, I kind of it got me out of the agency space, which I kind of appreciated too, not just bouncing between projects, but instead focusing on like one one single platform. So I think for me, it's actually been like a pretty big, uh, a pretty big like upward trajectory for my career. Uh, as far as how I've seen it affect the UX industry, at least like from what I've seen, is that it seems you know it seems like there's I don't know if uh, if this is actually true or not, but it seems like there's a lot more people who are making career transitions yeah. uh, because I think that. COVID in a way has been an opportunity for people to like reset what they uh, like really kind of like step back and say, okay, what do I really want out of life? Right. So, um, and I think that you'll hear, you know, especially because of there'll be, you know, indust industrial engineer, there'll be, um, I don't know, just doing something else and then they get laid off. And then they're kind of like, okay, well, is this really an industry I want to stay in? And they start exploring other things, find UX design, and then decide, decide to start pursuing it. So I think that it's been, uh, in a way, I think actually COVID's been kind of a blessing for everybody in a weird way. Um, I mean, obviously there's like terrible, awful things like people dying and stuff too, but the silver lining in that is I think it's it's been an opportunity for people to evaluate like what they do want. Um, I would say other things, actually, uh, other things that I have seen is I've seen more and more jobs going remote. So I've seen like companies like Zillow and uh, a lot of other com uh, 
companies that were used to try to in try to bring people into their you know their their startups with uh, booze on tap with the, these really new offices with like beanbag chairs and you know like startup culture and now it's almost like these companies are starting to listen more to their to their employees and say oh you guys actually want to work remote you really like that you're more productive well maybe we'll just go fully remote we'll sell our office or we'll lease it out or something um and i get you know i guess one more thing i'd also say too is that i've noticed that the there's been uh there so um there's this uh this platform that came out that was called help with covid I think that's what it's called, but uh, it's basically like a resource, you know, like a like a volunteer resource for people who are designers who are ultimately trying to create something that's going to help help mitigate the spread of COVID in some kind of way, Uh, whether it's designing flyers or, you know, doing uh, doing UX on a certain site or whatnot. So I think that I mean, possibly it's it's creating more avenues for people to volunteer and create uh create experience for themselves yep i kind of uh, agree with you in these facts like because for me as well like it it was really great like one thing that uh like i would kind of want to say from my side as well that uh because of jobs being remote like i did like my first internship as a ui us designer like with mm-hmm. a firm who was in usa while i was in india so that thing i think the, the grab of opportunity and the amount of opportunity kind of increased for people if they are looking at the right way so i think that is something for me that was really great for due to covid yep yeah yeah so going on i just wanted to ask about uh, just a little bit getting deeper into ux only like i think specifically ux interviews like how do you think like ux interviews have evolved in this covid thing because the meeting of people was like like almost nil so how did that happen are you talking about job interviews or are you talking about the surveys and the kind of things surveys and okay um so really it's i would say a lot of the um a lot of the research we've been doing anyway i think has been remote because we're you know in my case like i work in the property management space so we are interviewing property managers from all over the country so it wouldn't make sense to fly over to iowa or to florida or to vancouver or wherever they happen to be and interview this one person so we've been it would it already made sense for us to do it remote anyway so we didn't really change anything. Uh, now, what I, you know, one of the things I would say is like for things like uh, eye tracking, mm-hmm. for example. So we do, you know, we do have an eye tracking lab at work. Uh, we haven't really utilized it for since COVID. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, things like eye tracking is something we can't do. At the same time, I, you know, I wouldn't call it like critical, necessary research i would say that's more of just like a really nice thing to have um i mean i guess aside from that i haven't seen too much of a change overall at least in how we've done things because most of our research anyway has been done remote and even at like previous jobs most of what we were doing was remote yep i think i, I agree because i think it depends on which kind of project you are pursuing 
it i think it, that's basically it and yep i think for you it was really great because it's always going remote and kind of few things were there but i think some things are not critical to be done i think you just have to analyze the research more i think that's it yep so like uh, getting into your career i just wanted to ask like a uh, very basic question what do you do at uh, entantra i think if i pronounced it right entantra is a designer Yeah, so what we do at Entrada is uh we create property management software. So this is for uh property managers who need to do things like manage their invoices, um communicate with residents, keep all their information on file, uh handle any kind of like mitigations, evictions, pretty much anything under the sun that they have to do. I mean, that'll also include other other related areas like accounting, uh the legal side affordable affordable housing military uh senior citizen living things like that so really it's um the reason why entrada came to be was because originally you would have uh we had this this other company called yardy right and so it was uh, it used to be the it was considered to be the big kid on the block for a while but what they would do is they would essentially acquire these different uh these different companies that specialized in some specific area so like they would acquire a company that does invoicing they would acquire another one that does finances uh they would acquire another one that does um you know renewals and things like that and the problem is um eventually you know when you're acquiring all these different companies and then trying to combine them under one platform eventually you get 20 different logins you've got mm. uh you have like interfaces that don't even look or behave incredibly it can be incredibly difficult to to manage because they're really just separate units that were strung together so when entrada came onto the scene what it did is it created it basically saw what what uh what these property managers needs were and it created an all-in-one solution so that way you don't you only need one login the the site behaves the same as it does all across the board and that was really what helped entrada get to the top of its plat you know get to the top of its industry it's fascinating to hear like how yeah competitive and the competition like got separated and everything like that that that's really great to hear um mm-hmm. so and i want to i actually want to add one more thing so uh this was kind of an added bonus. So I did mention a while ago that I'm a scuba diver. I love mm-hmm. the ocean and we, you know when I was interviewing, I would say one of the biggest perks for me was was not expecting this at all, but um they they um for okay, so first you interview with the the UX director and then he kind of decides which team you'd be your skills would be best on. Mm-hmm. So, uh they put me on my they they had me interview with my current manager and so when he was asking me during the interview like what are you interested in i mentioned diving and then he was like you know i'm a dive master right so he's actually like teaching di- teaching divers uh professionally like how to you know like how to be scuba divers so uh i get to talk to him about like all the all the dive trips i've done and uh the ones i'm currently planning on doing and things like that so it was It's a perfect match. I think it's 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 kind of a bonus point when you're giving an interview, having something that connects with the particular interviewer. Like that's. Oh yeah. 
I think that that's definitely hundred percent. Definitely, I think even if uh, like that's the main connection that you get from that particular person, and somehow it kind of gives you a little perk. I think. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. So I just wanted to go on and just wanted to discuss more deep into your particular uh, entrepreneur experience. Like, how do you kind of collaborate with other people in the company? Like, what kind of collaboration do you like? People from tech or anything else? Yeah, so we're usually collaborating with uh, project managers, uh, with uh, yeah, figuring out like if we're we're on track with uh, with these certain these certain designs. Product managers. Um, I what I would say was is different at a company like Entrada is that you know we we do a like a lot of our our dev work is actually done offshore, so uh, I can't just like walk over to the the dev team and like ask them questions mm-hmm. and everything. Um, so I would say in that regard, uh, communication is extra important because we want to make sure that, you know, our, uh, the designs we're trying to do are communicate, are communicated to, you know, to people on the other side of the world that were, were, um, I can't just like walk over and say, Hey, this is how this is supposed to function. This is what I have in mind. Um. So it's really, it's really like what I like about that is it's really helped me to be very, very, very specific in what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's this, this guy on YouTube, he's got, uh, he's, he's got this, uh, it's called the specific struct instructions challenge. And so he has his kids like write instructions on out on how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and he'll like if it's not explicitly laid out in a way like he will like intentionally screw it up like he'll like put the butter on the bread and start like spreading the bread around on the table and he's like okay i spread the butter around (laughs) or um so i kind of i kind of think of something like that like it's it's like we have to do the the explicit challenge and you know the explicit um explanation instruction <laughs> challenge I, 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 get it, I get it i get it kind of like because people are not like in a team so it's very difficult in in few ways but it's kind of a challenge for you and like i think depending on that it's good it's good for you yeah 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 so like going forward i just wanted to ask you about a very basic question i think uh like a lot of you might a lot of you a lot of the audience might want to know about this uh, uh firstly i want to ask like do you think like every ux designer has a different de- design process and if yes or if no whatever the answer is like what's your own design process you know i think as far as design processes it can be it's kind of a tricky question right because you learn that you know when you're a brand new ux designer you're just curious about the field and you just read a few articles about it you learn that ux designers have a process that they go through and you know what i've found having worked at two agencies and an in-house software company is that your process really is more of whatever the company has in mind so like especially at my first agency we had a very specific design process that we would go through so i can't just say oh well i do research at this stage and you guys don't do research at this stage so i'm gonna throw out what you're doing and do this no it's like you gotta you have to do what um do the process that your your employer has set up i would say at intrada it is a little bit more freeform um 
one of the things that I also really like is that we are giving a lot more control as to how we how we go about doing UX updates and discovering discovering new things. Uh, we decide if we're going to do it do design sprints at this time. Um, so I would say really like you're you know whatever if you are given that freedom then I would say whatever whatever your design process is now, like it's probably going to change as you learn like certain certain other things work better than others. Uh, there are certain tools you want to utilize. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't really like keep it. You know, don't think of it as like a statue that you carved out of marble. Think of it as like uh, like putty in your hands that like you could shape it into something, but it's going to you know, it's going to change. It's going to evolve. Exactly, exactly. Like for me um, as well, personally, uh, like if you wanna go, if you wanna, you can go. Why you saying something? Oh, sorry, I was gonna. No, I decided not to. Uh, okay, so basically, I was saying <laughs> that uh, being a UX designer myself, I feel for me there's no specific design process. I just know each and every process, like what it is, how it's done, and what kind of tools and everything but i think it depends on the company some people want research for some people want design for some people like it's it's different for everyone and i think uh what i just do i just put the pieces here and there and just somehow like cater to their needs cater to the user needs i think that's for me. yeah and sorry I, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you no, no, no. Um, what i you know what i would really say too is that like it um it really largely depends on whatever project you're trying to do. Exactly. You know, it's like, what are uh, you, we can't always assume that we're just designing everything from the ground up in a lot of cases, what we're doing UX on has really been built or like, you know, maybe it's uh, you've got a client who comes to you and, you know, and whether you're freelancing or you're working in an agency and they just say, you know, we just want a audit of our site or we just want like, this little um this little like landing landing page or we want just want some kind of like some little tweak made in our site so i think it would be impossible to say i have this design process i'm going to apply it to everything that's because that's kind of like the way i see it it's like uh if you have a you have a screw and then you're just like hitting it trying to hit it in with a hammer it's like you know sure the hammer is going to work for a nail it's not going to work as great for getting a screw in it's not gonna really work if you're trying to like you know install something that requires a drill um it's really too broad and too general of yeah, at least in my opinion to say to say like i'm gonna be strict about whatever my design process is because it's gonna change based on the company you're with it's gonna change based on the needs the the customer the client or the project you're working on there's a lot of other variables that go into play here so i would say just be open be flexible as to what the project needs and how you can best deliver that yep agreed fully agreed. uh so yeah we are just coming towards the end and there's just last two two questions that i want to ask firstly i want to ask about one of your your own favorite projects that you have done in your design career and like why was it your favorite Oh my gosh. Uh are we talking about like any kind of project it I've worked can, on it can or can be any kind of project? It can be anyone. So I would say that would probably be the one the hackathon I did for when I drove down to San Diego. So this was a hackathon that was sponsored by the San Diego Zoo. They're very very you know a huge proponent of wildlife conservation. Uh they're very very involved in that space. They brought a lot of 
endangered species back from the brink of extinction. And what they did is they, uh, this was last year, they were hosting a hackathon. Actually, no, this was 2019, like end of 2019. And they were, you know, obviously before COVID, they were hosting a hackathon. Everybody was in their room without masks, but you know, that was, that was the life back then. Right. And for, we had, uh, we had a design challenge for 48 hours. Uh, we were given a, some kind of like a list of something that the San Diego zoo was trying to, trying to uh, get some momentum on in the tech world. And it was also sponsored by the, the U S government. So they actually had a big play in this as well. Um, the, and so we were given the, given these prompts to pick from the team that I went, I went with was trying to address this issue that um, these people who are enforcing these anti-poaching laws over in Africa and Asia, they're called Rangers. So they're, they're like military trained, trained people. They're really, really, t they're like tough as nails. Um, and they have to be because the poachers they're dealing with, I would say it ranges anywhere from, you know, maybe like some, some person who's like, they're really just trying to feed their families and you can't blame them because, you know, if, if you go kill a rhino and you sell its horn, it's worth more than gold on the market versus if they're working in a lithium mine and they're making three bucks a day in these extremely dangerous situations and they're just trying to feed their family. Like, you know, of course, like it's, it's totally understandable that they're going to turn to poaching to feed their families. Um, but at the same time, this goes, it goes from, you know, individuals like that who the poachers or the, the rangers usually tend to work with and uh, try and help help them out however they can so they don't have to turn to poaching to these basically like cold-hearted mafia kingpin kind of people, you know, like, or there's a lot of organized crime that goes into poaching. Um, there's, there are like terrorist organizations, for example, that will actually like, they'll get a lot of funding from, uh, from like elephant, elephant ivory and from rhino horns that'll sell, like I said, it'll sell for more than what gold is worth on the market. So uh, they have essentially the platform we created allows these allows these rangers to be able to communicate with each other effectively uh, to collaborate when there's been some kind of, you know, there's been some kind of like dead animal or some kind of like crime scene where rhino has been killed. But the problem is that these groups are isolated in a lot of ways. So if group A goes in, does their investigation, leaves, group B goes in, does their investigation, leaves, they don't know that they've been overlapping in a lot of these ways. In the best case scenario, they're just going to waste a lot of time because one of them's already done, you know, collected a lot of data uh, that the other one could have used, but they didn't know about it. In more of a worst case scenario, let's say one of those group members is going undercover. They're posing as a poacher. They're trying to get close to the kingpin to get information on him. And then the other group says, hey, we're going to go in and do a raid and we're going to shoot the place up while this person is undercover. Well, that person could get killed. They could get injured. Um, the rangers that we were we were working with on this project said that they've been they've been arrested by other uh, other people on working towards the same cause because they didn't recognize them. Uh, and, you know, they, they've also had to go through like extreme measures to, you know, conceal their identity from these poachers and make sure they're not being followed in the airport. Like it's pretty crazy. So we created a platform that allows them to securely communicate with each other. 
and we also it was interesting because we had to we had to think of this platform like the way law enforcement thinks of creating their software like the FBI does. Um, so like one of the considerations we had to take into was how can we make sure that or how can we at least reduce, if not eliminate as much as possible, a mole getting into the system? So if a poacher somehow gained access into this ranger system and was able to track like where they're all going, then that could really that could really screw things up. So we had to make things really anonymous, even within an already anonymous system. Mm-hmm. Uh, that program or that that project won first place. It did get some pretty serious consideration by the to be implemented by the U.S. government. Uh, it didn't ultimately, but uh, we got pretty far. I was very proud of that. That that's great because this is something that you really love to do and like do, indulging like or kind of inculcating design as well. And it, it's like it's like a dream project kind of thing. And I really yeah, I really got kind of uh, got the aspect from that as well. Uh, so yeah, we are at the end of this podcast, and the last question I just want to ask you is because of for the audience. So like, what one piece or two piece of advice do you want to give to the audience? Uh, as a budding designer, as someone who is getting into a design field, like what kind of advice would you give to that particular kind of person? So the first thing I would say is um, find project. You know, and I'm not I'm not talking about like jobs necessarily. I'm talking about like when you're filling out your portfolio, find work that really interests you specifically. Because I believe that if you work on something that you're interested in then it's you know if you're interested in music and you create like a guitar tuning app or like if you're you know you care about lgbtq issues and you're a part of the the gay community then and you create some i don't know some kind of like resource to help them um that's gonna be i believe that project is gonna turn a lot turn out a lot better because you care so much about it versus if you create because uh, I see, I'll see this a lot with new designers. They don't really know what to create, so then they'll they'll make like an app that helps people file their taxes. But if they don't care about ta- you know filing your taxes, then why are you working on it, right? So I say find something that like really find something that that piques your interest, and then have that be uh, you know you don't have to have all your projects be like under that specific umbrella, but. I think it's going to help them turn out better. Uh, You know, another thing I would say is very, very important with, and this is something that I don't see, I believe we should see a lot more of from new UX designers in their projects is um, learn about the scientific process. And of course, I'm biased. I'm an ex-scientist myself, but learn about the scientific process, about what you know whenever they're measuring a a control and these different variants you're you know for for clarification like if i'm you know if i'm if i'm doing research on something um what i would first do is i would measure whatever whatever i'm looking at in the wild as it is without even touching it because i want to get a baseline understanding of what those numbers are and then when i do my variant studies then I'm going to introduce these different hypotheses and I'm going to uh, I'm going to do these changes and then see how that affects those numbers. I believe that that is one of the most underutilized skills in UX is 
knowing how to pretty much like how to measure things within your design because i think all too often people will just say oh this landing page sucks i fixed it and i'm like well hold on you didn't measure anything how do you know it's better like it might look better it might yeah maybe but uh is it did it really help them in the long run so i would say not only is that going to help you be a better ux designer because you're going to be able to say from a quantitative perspective that you helped this issue but it's also going to make a much stronger uh, a much stronger case on your resume when you're showcasing these stats and numbers of how you've increased these certain things. And it's also going to help you on your portfolio when you're telling your portfolio case studies. Biggest thing that really catches my eye whenever I see a portfolio project, and I think this is one of the keys to a really good portfolio project, is can you tell in a statistical way, how you uh, improved this product. Yep, I get it, I get it. Because I think these two advice were really, really great because I kind of felt that way because I think a lot of UX design doesn't really measure their design and the other aspect. Right. Uh, and I think these tips were really, really great for the people who were watching this or just listening to this anywhere. Yeah, so uh, Sam, that is kind of the end of this podcast. And thank you so, so much for coming in. And anyone who want to check out his socials, they will be linked down in the description box. Thank you so much, Sam. Uh, any last words you want to say? Um, No, that's it. I appreciate you having me on, Abhay. Th thank you so much. And thank you so much for getting thank the you. Uh, Until next time, guys. Thank you so much for watching this uh, episode.